I don't need Neil. I do. Not the man I knew ten years ago. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar, welcome to another special bonus episode of Mandovision, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out our small independent Star Wars podcast, which is currently spending a lot of time talking about Indiana Jones. That's just how it goes right now. Sorry, folks. The best way to reach out to us is on social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Well, as I said, we're back for another non-Star Wars-based episode of the show. Uh, <laughs> and again, it wasn't necessarily the plan. Uh, but I made it to the theaters. I saw Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. And since we've spent the last two weeks uh, talking about two of my favorite Indiana Jones films, uh, it, it seemed only uh, a fitting to talk about this film. Now that it's out, now that it's in theaters, uh, and, and judging by uh, the box office numbers that have been coming in today, uh, the, on Monday as I record this, uh, I, I am one of the few people who've seen it. <laughs> so, though again, a lot on my social media, which is dominated by a lot of uh, Star Wars fans and Star Wars fan sites and other podcasts and, and YouTubers and, and things like that, apparently we all saw Indiana Jones. The rest of the world, however, has not. Uh, so, so I want to believe that the people of this good audience... People of Buckethead Nation did go check out the new Indiana Jones movie, so we're going to have a conversation, but I am going to try and keep it relatively spoiler-free, uh, because if you haven't seen it yet, I, I want you to go check it out and, and, and be along for the ride and not have to necessarily like every all the story beats that are coming up in, in, in due course as you watch the film. But as you know, sometimes that is a, a slippery slope uh, when you try to stay spoiler-free. Sometimes you can say something that is completely innocent, but that, uh, that, that you, the audience member, didn't want to know going in. And so uh, I will strongly encourage anyone who hasn't seen the movie, who has plans to see the film, uh, to listen to this podcast after. If you want to go in clean, uh, if, if you've been avoiding stuff on the internet, if you've been avoiding uh, trailers and, and, and reviews and all those things, just uh, uh, stick this in your feed, download it, because I appreciate the support, and then listen to it after. Uh, you've had a, a chance to, to see the film. Uh, I had hoped to have a, a, a guest 
on this episode as we, as we talk about the film because I, I really would like to bounce some things off of other people uh, as I discuss this film because I saw it on Saturday and I basically spent the rest of the weekend thinking about the movie and, and how certain elements of it made me feel. Uh, and there are, there are things in it that uh, I, I'm very pro. There are things in it that I'm kind of uh, against. And, and again, we'll talk about that. Uh, if, if I get a chance down the road to, to sit down with, with one of our uh, podcast friends to do an episode and, and kind of really dig deep on Dial of Destiny. That would be fun, but, but we'll save that for later. So I'm, I'm going to try and just kind of give you um, my, my, my feelings without really pulling apart the movie too much uh, because you can. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a movie with uh, threads that if you yank on them, uh, the sweater will become undone. And that's just, the, that's just how it is with some movies. I will say, before we dive too deep into, and specifically on Dial of Destiny, is that uh, watching this movie... Uh, really inspired me to go back and rewatch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, a film that uh, I also have uh, a, a lot of mixed feelings on. Uh, you know, the the easiest answer I've given over the years is like, well, it's my fourth favorite Indiana Jones film, and I say that in a kind of like a positive way because it's still an Indiana Jones movie. I'm still having a good time with it. It's just you know not as good as the original three. Um, and in Dial of Destiny, I'll say it right up front. I think it is better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but not by much. It, it's it's very close. There's there's a you know I, like I said I went back rewatched Crystal Skull this weekend, uh, and and there are a lot of things that I sort of missed seeing in Dial of Destiny, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the other side of, of the little bump. All right, so so save yourselves for that. But but we'll be talking about Crystal Skull quite a bit too because I think uh, these movies have a lot more in common than maybe people wanted to believe when they when I set out to make this movie, uh, and and and. I'll try my best to talk about that again in as non-spoilery as a way as I can. But if you want to go into into uh, into Dial of Destiny clean, not knowing anything, uh, by all means, pause this podcast, make sure you downloaded it, and then come back after you've seen the flick and, and see if you, if you think I'm crazy or not. All right. So let's talk about the specifics of the film. This is for Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny, released this past week, June thirtieth, twenty twenty three. It's directed by James Mangold. Written by James Mangold uh, and Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth. Uh, David Cope gets a, gets a – he did like the initial screenplay back when Steven Spielberg was involved. So I guess he's getting a, a, a written by credit still, um, which is interesting because I don't think he had much to do with this, this current draft. Uh, but David Cope also, uh, the, by and large, did a, lot, a big chunk of the writing on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So depending on your feelings for that film, you may think that's a good thing that he's not so much in this one. Uh, our primary cast is, of course – Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones one more time. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is Helena. Antonio Banderas shows up in this movie. I'm going to skip a couple people because I don't want you to know if they're in the movie or not. Uh, John Rhys-Davies we've seen in the trailers. Uh, Thomas Kreitzman. Poor Thomas Kreitzman. Will this man ever get to play somebody who's not a Nazi? I, I don't know. Uh, Toby Jones is in this. My favorite, one of my favorite actors, one of my favorite uh, villains, uh, honestly, is Mads Mikkelsen, and I'm so glad he's in the in Indiana Jones movie, teaming up with Harrison Ford. That makes me very, very happy. Uh, and 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 Boyd Holbrook, and we will talk about Boyd Holbrook. Don't even think we won't. Okay, so <laughs> those are our primary players for the film. Uh, John Williams, of course, returns to do the score on this one because he has to. Uh, I think he uh, is obligated by. Uh, uh, God himself to do always score an Indiana Jones movie. And yeah, yeah you know, important to note, we'll get into this on the, on the other side too, but yeah, directed by James Mangold. 
We are not directed by Steven Spielberg in, in this movie. And again, you can make an argument that that's good. Uh, you can make an argument that that's bad. And, and again, we'll probably mention that a little bit. But let's go ahead, get into the conversation. You know what time it is. <laughs> strap on your buckets. Strap on your fedoras. Let's go. I miss the desert. I miss the sea. And I miss waking up every morning, wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. Those days have come and gone. Perhaps, perhaps not. All right, so let's just get to it. Let's just put it right out there on Front Street right now. I like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I think it is a perfectly fun, enjoyable movie. One last romp with our favorite archaeologist slash adventurer, Indiana Jones himself. Uh, Harrison Ford puts in a, a, a very nice performance here for his final go-around. You know, you can tell it's a character that he uh, is, is very attached to, that he's very fond of. As, as he brings it, just like he always does. And, um, again, there's a lot in this movie to really, really in, enjoy. There's a lot of fun. There's, uh, there's, there's highs and lows, just like, uh, like with Crystal Skull, in my opinion. Uh, but I think, for the most part, people will like this flick more than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Specifically, if, if you, especially if you, if you were not a fan of, of anything in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think this will be a nice uh, kind of writing of, of the franchise right for for at least in your probably in your opinion right uh, i i think you'll get a lot out of it again it's fun the characters are good they're enjoyable it's 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 a really strong cast um but it does it's it's not without things that you can you know threads that you can start pulling on and and, and the whole thing kind of falls apart like a weak tapestry uh, and you know again without getting too spoilery <laughs> it, it really depends on your mileage right like how much uh, as an audience member, are you willing to uh, look past these things in order to enjoy yourself on what is more than likely Harrison Ford's last adventure as Indiana Jones? And, and I think if you can uh, put up with a few things, I think you're going to have a perfectly lovely time at the theater, if you go see it in the theaters. And and I think you should. I do. I, I do think this is a movie worth checking out on the big screen uh, I have seen three of the five indies in theaters. Uh, they're always worth checking out on the big screen. Uh, James Mangold does a fine job directing, though I do think I missed some of the little touches that Steven Spielberg brought to the previous films. Uh, there was not as much of that sort of indie, wry humor, um, situational kind of humor that, that pops up on his adventures. There, there wasn't much of that in this. That's not really Mangold's thing. And and maybe that was like a maybe that was a conscious decision to like not try and 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 riff heavily on on what Spielberg's done in the past. Uh, I couldn't say for sure. I mean, it, it again, Mangold is a very capable director. He's he's done some fine fine films, uh, and he brings his style, his flair to it. So, uh, in in one sense, it 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 does certain shots seem modeled after maybe what Spielberg would have done, but otherwise, action wise, I think it's very very Mangold esque, and and uh, and that's a service to him. Um, one of the things I, – what, what we're going to do a lot is there's going to be a lot of, of me comparing this to Crystal Skull because I, I, I do think there has to be sort of like a line of delineation uh, between the, the, the first three films 
you know, the, the, the 80s Indiana Jones movies versus the 2000s Indiana Jones movies because uh, a lot's changed, right? Like we had to move our timeline forward in Crystal Skull. We, had to, we, we fought Soviets. We were in the 50s. We were in the dawn of the nuclear age. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things I think you could, you could rightly criticize Crystal Skull for was, yes, we moved the timeline forward. We, we changed our enemies. We changed the global politics. You know, uh, the Red Scare was in full effect. Uh, uh, you know, everyone was looking for communists everywhere. And, and it sort of affected our world in which Indiana Jones inhabits. But Indiana Jones himself wasn't too altered. Uh, you know, there were moments where you could see uh, 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 Indy becoming more like his father, you know, seeing, you know, l l certain looks, seeing uh, this is intolerable, things like that, you know, that are callbacks to, to Last Crusade as, as Indy's sort of aging into the man that his father was at a certain point. Uh, and that's neat. That's interesting. And, and I think one of those things where Crystal Skull sort of trips up on itself is, is that, you know, it, it, its early mission statement is that Indy's losing things, right? Like he's reached the age now in life where uh, life is taking more than it's giving to him, right? It's like we talk in the beginning of that film about the loss of, of Henry Jones Sr., of Marcus Brody. Uh, and then by the end of that picture, Indy's gained, right? He's gained a son. He's gained a wife in Marion. Uh, and so, so life gives back to Indy at a certain point in, in, in that picture. And, it, you know, it's sort of a muddled journey to get to there. But we, what we don't really address is sort of the aging of Indiana Jones, other than uh, uh, quips from Mutt during that film. Do we really see Indiana Jones uh, 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 aging out of, of being able to do the things that he can do? Uh, it, it's still very Indiana Jones in that regards. And, and I think if, you can, if you're long for that ride, then cool. That's a good time. Uh, what this film attempts to do is it, is it sort of goes and treads a lot of similar ground because it's about loss and how loss this time around has severely affected Indiana Jones. Um, and this is a very different Indiana Jones than what, what we've seen before. Uh, uh, again, he has a trauma now, and, and that is going to rub some people in the audience the wrong way. That's just going to be, be how it is. Like Some people like their Indiana Jones the way they like their Indiana Jones. But Indiana Jones has always been a very human very vulnerable character, uh, but this time we're giving him some emotional baggage that he hasn't had in the past. And like I said, I think that will rub some people, one person specifically in this audience, the wrong way. <laughs> and, and maybe some other people out there in the world as well. But Indiana Jones now has, has uh, some emotional baggage to deal with. Uh, the way that baggage gets unpacked in this film, I think, is unfortunate. It's not my favorite method of of storytelling it's 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 done in, in like sort of like a weird random exposition dump uh, and i didn't care for it um and I, I i wish they had done that better and that's that's sort of what you're going to get a lot from me out of in my dial of destiny reaction is is the things that i had problems with uh weren't necessarily things that that were i felt were inherently wrong with the film with the picture itself it's just something that I wish was executed differently. I, I think it would have been just as effective or perhaps even more effective if they had uh, kind of to, to use a, a, a Hollywood parlance to, to show and not tell. Um, and, and there's a lot of telling in this movie, which is sort of unfortunate. But again, it's highs and lows. And again, I think this movie has more in common with Crystal Skull than it intended to uh, because we are sort of telling the story of, of loss 
Um, and, and, and story is the story of like remembering what you already have. This is also a story about uh, Indiana Jones because of his loss. He's now sort of living in the past, right? Not necessarily his past, but like history. He's always been sort of like the history guy, right? And, and he's not moving forward. The world around him continues to move forward, and Indiana Jones himself is sort of stuck in place because of his, his, his losses and his, his, his traumas. Um, what the movie s- attempts to do is get Indiana Jones right in the head so that by the end of the picture, he is able to move forward. How they get him to that point, again, I wish was executed a little bit differently. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it works. Everything ultimately works that they do. I just wish it had been done a little differently. I wish it had been executed a little differently. And, uh, <laughs> and like I said, there's, there's, there's more in common. This movie has more in common with Crystal Skull than I think it wants to admit. Uh, I'll, I'll sp- we'll just talk about one particular aspect of, of the film so I can compare it to uh, Crystal Skull. Is At one point in this film, Indiana Jones is in a situation where he's got to leave the country. He's got to go. It's a completely unnecessary plot point, in my opinion. Uh, I thought it was the scene that led up to it, uh, the, 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 the action that took place that put Indiana Jones in this position where he feels he has to uh, leave America, uh, is, is uh, probably one of the more gratuitous acts of violence I've ever seen in an in, in Indiana Jones movie. And I suspect it only existed, A, to reinforce that the bad guys are really bad, and B, that we needed to push Indiana Jones out of his comfort zone that he's kind of lived in these last few years of his life. But if you go back to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like I just did last night, uh, the Red Scare is in effect. And the CIA thinks that Harrison Ford is, or <laughs> thinks that Indiana Jones is a communist. So he's going to leave his university. Uh, you know, he's being under suspicion, right? He's being uh, put on leave by his university. So he's going to leave America. He's going to go to the University of Leipzig. He says this in the movie. He's uh, Leipzig, of all places. He's going back to Germany. There's something kind of funny about that when you really kind of pull the layers apart on, the, on that statement. But but again, like this is this is sort of what these movies do, right? Like there there's sort of like this weird parallel between Crystal Skull and this flick. And like now I don't even think the people who made this movie were even aware of it. I really don't. But watching Crystal Skull last night sort of reminded me. It's like, oh yeah. Indy had was trying to leave the country before this all started, and the only reason why he doesn't end up in Germany is because that's when Mutt steps up with the letters from from Oxley and sends them off in the adventure in South America. Uh, that that sort of parlays everything around. Uh, this time around, like the, the the incident in question does get Indy out of the country, but it puts him back on the trail of of his goddaughter who has stolen an artifact that Indy had kept hidden from her father. For many many years, the day a dial of destiny. Spoiler alert. Also known as the uh, the Antikythera in the film. Uh, so there, there's a lot to to compare with Crystal Skull, and I want to keep that in mind for everybody. Uh, I do want to go back because I think everyone's heard about it. We saw it in on, in the trailers. I, I, we, it it merits it, it merits mentioning uh, in in a, in a somewhat involved conversation. The, the opening sequence, like the prequel of this, this the film, the sort of prologue uh, to the story, right, of the de-aged Harrison Ford, the de-aged Indiana Jones, back in the, delay, the, the end stages of World War II, back in Germany. Uh, they're at a castle. They end up on a loot train, a German loot train uh, with, full of artifacts, and, and a lot of them are fake. A lot of them are real. It's, it's this whole thing. 
Uh, it's all very, very interesting stuff. I, I, I like the sequence quite a bit. I think the de-aging, by and large, looks very, very good. I think they did a nice job with the effects on that. Um, you'll notice that the, the, the train sequence in particular uh, is at night, which means that they're trying to cover up some CG, so it's not as obvious that it's CG. But uh, by and large, I think it works out pretty well. The, the only thing that's sort of uh, uh, jarring is that when Indy's talking... You know that it's old man Indiana Jones talking. Like there's a there's a, a, a difference in Harrison Ford's te- voice uh, uh, timbre from his age now versus you know 30 40 years ago when he was making uh, Raiders and, and Temple and and, and and even Last Crusade. So you it's it's sort of it, it's I'll just use the word jarring again uh, to describe the Harrison Ford's old man voice in in his young man quote unquote young man face. So, but by and large, it works. Uh, one of the elements I wanted to talk about too is is like, you know, they're not even Indy and his friend uh, Basil aren't even looking for the Dial of Destiny at this point, aka the Antikythera. Uh, it's something that that Basil's interested in. He sort of has like this this it's sort of like his pet hobby, the Antikythera. Uh, but they're not there for that. They're there to track down the Lance of Longinus. Uh, the Lance of Longinus is another uh, a, a religious artifact from Christianity. You know, we, we talked about that, like the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail. Uh, Indiana Jones has a lot of experience with Christian artifacts, right? Like you, you can make a movie. You, you can make. You can be of the opinion that his best movies are the ones that deal with uh, Christian artifacts, right? Uh, well, the Lance of the, the Lance of Longinus is also interesting because if you're an old head like me, you may remember. That back in the 90s, Dark Horse, along with having the license for Star Wars, also had the license for making Indiana Jones comics. And they made an Indiana Jones and the Spear of Destiny comic book, which is the, another name for the Lance of Longinus. So I thought that was very, very interesting that we sort of end up on this adventure. And I'm like, wait, I've seen this adventure before, but it was very, very different because in the comic book, it was another adventure with Indy's dad. So it was it was Henry Jones Jr. and Sr. teaming up again for another Christian artifact, much like they did in, in Holy Grail. Uh, so I may have to track down those comics and reread those because it has been, oh, well, when were the 90s? Well, the 90s were a long time ago, friends. So I do not remember most of it. But I, I, I was like, I, I, that sort of tickled me a little bit to, to see that we opened the movie on, on an artifact that technically has an adventure that is you know, in theory, it was supposed to be canon, but maybe uh, maybe it's no longer canon after the Disney acquisition. But regardless, they threw it all out the window anyways, uh, and, and we end up in the, on this uh, quest for the, the Lance of Longinus, which I thought was very, very interesting. I thought it was very, very fun, even though we all knew that ultimately we get uh, persuaded to, to follow the Dial of Destiny. Uh, how much do I want to talk about about everything else. That, that, like, again, I want to try to keep this thing spoiler-free. The prologue's great. I mean, we sort of set everything up in, in place. Indy's first interaction with the dial, his first interaction with Voller, the scientist, played by Mads Mikkelsen, who will be the protagonist, you know, in 1969 when we, when we get to our, our current timeline, our current time period that we're set in. Um, I guess I'll just kind of talk about in broad strokes of, of the characters, right? Uh, so... I like Mads as a villain. Mads is always a great villain. He's always an interesting villain. Uh, he's uh, not so much in this for like the supernatural for the... Uh, 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 he's, a, he's a math guy, right? He's a science guy. And he believes that these things, these artifacts, 
uh, or just you know compu- uh, complicated algorithms and, 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 and arithmetic, right, to, to, to make things work. I don't want to say necessarily, I'm sure most people know what the dial is, is and has been rumored to be, but if you haven't seen the flick yet and you're still listening to this podcast, I'm not going to go into, into in any specific great detail right now. But it is interesting that um, for this supernatural artifact to work, it's based on sort of like a, a, a pseudoscience, right? Like mathematicians. Are, uh, and, uh, and that's what I'm going to say about that. I'll, I'm going to stop there. Maz is an interesting villain. He's not fully developed, not fully well-rounded, but it's Maz Mickelson, and he plays it well, and he owns it. Uh, and, and I enjoy seeing him on screen. I wish they had done more with him. Uh, I also wish they had done more with his uh, henchmen characters, one of whom is played by Boyd Holbrook, an actor of some renown who's been in many, many things uh, as, as, and could be argued as a, a pretty big star in his own right. I don't know why he's in this movie. I have zero idea what was going on with his character. I mean, you sort of inferred a lot uh, based off of random things they said and did. But I still have no idea why Boyd Holbrook is in this picture. The only thing I can think of is that there's an entire storyline around that character that was completely cut from the film. And speaking of that, this movie's really long. <laughs> it's, it's a really long movie. Uh, I, I, you know, I used to wish movies were longer back in the day. Um, and, and, you know, I've always enjoyed those movies that like, make you feel like you want more, right? Uh, nowadays, we've gotten to the point where I'm just like, are we sure we needed more? Did we really need that much more? Uh, and I think you'll get the sense of that in this movie. As some of like the, the chase scenes are sort of uh, uh, prolonged and extended. I think you'll uh, sort of see where I'm coming from. And again, that makes me wonder. It's like, I bet that character, uh, uh, was it Clo- 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 Kluber? Something like that, is, is the character played by Boyd Holbrook. And again, I'm sure there's a whole storyline around this character that... that Probably is the reason why Boyd Holbrook said he'd be in this movie. Uh, that's completely cut out because this movie is really, really long. Uh, you know, and if they had kept everything in it, it probably would have been a three-hour cut, which I couldn't imagine this movie being three hours. My God. Again, not that it's bad, but you know, movies have to be shaped and, and, and developed, and, and this movie's already a, a little bit like pulling taffy. It's a little long in the tooth. There's ebbs and flows to it. The pacing's a little all over the place. Uh... And again, some of its themes are, are sort of all over the place, too. Um, oh, let's talk about Helena. Let's talk about Helena. Played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I am a big fan of. I, I enjoy her work. I enjoy her writing. I enjoy uh, sort of her uh, uh, comedic stylings, if you will. Uh, I think she's a wonderful addition to the movie. Um, what I sort of have an issue with is she's sometimes difficult to like. Her relationship with Indy is tenuous at best, and by the third act, apparently they're all good, and I don't really know how and why and when that all happened. Uh, again, maybe there's some some development things that got, that got cut out, but we go from them sort of being adversarial uh, to being uh, uh, you know sacrificing for each other. And I and I, I don't quite know when we make that jump. I, uh, perhaps on a on a rewatch, I'll, I'll I'll pick up something that I missed before. Uh, but it does seem to happen fairly quickly in the in the movie, uh, and that that sort of bumps me up. But I, by and large, uh, the, the character ends up where we need them to end up, and I guess that's sort of another knock in the picture. Everyone gets where we need them to go. I don't always like the way they get there, but they get there, 
And and I guess I guess that kind of works for what we needed to work for. Uh, I want to make another comparison to the Crystal Skull here because again, a lot of my concerns, a lot of my challenges with Crystal Skull came at the end of the second act and into the third act. Well, that's where a lot of my concerns are in this movie as well. And depending on your mileage for Crystal Skull, you may have bumped into the same problems in this movie. Uh, and you're either going to go all in or all out based on the third act of this film. Uh, I can't say. I'm, I'm trying to avoid saying <laughs> what exactly that all entails. I mean, maybe you've already listened to three spoiler-filled podcasts and you know already. Uh, but, but something happens. The Dial of Destiny does its thing and, and something happens. Uh, and Indy's presented with a choice. And <laughs> the resolution of that choice is interesting. I, I really want to pull apart that, that section with somebody on, on, you know, in, a, in a conversation sometime soon. Um, but I don't, again, I sort of don't like the way that shakes out. There's, there's, there's parts of it that I just really, again, I, I don't like that we have to sort of lead Indy by the nose to, to get to the point where he has to understand that he has to exist in his place and time uh, and, and move forward with things and not become a relic of history. That's sort of what this movie is trying to tell us, or is trying to tell Indiana Jones, is to stop living in the past and live in the now. And spoilers, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the biggest spoiler is that, that, that it, the movie's a lot about Harrison Ford, or about Indiana Jones learning to, to, to live in the now and, and, and stop burying his head in the books and living in the past, um, and sometimes literally. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to give these like a, a spoiler-free review um, without talking about some of, the, some of the things. But by and large, there are a lot of fun sequences. I enjoyed the tuk-tuk the chase. I enjoyed the uh, underwater sequence, right? We haven't seen that before in, in, the, in, the, in an Indiana Jones picture. I, I enjoyed the, the, the character that Antonio Banderas plays. Uh, I enjoyed getting to see Sala again. Uh, I enjoyed the backstory of Sala, that, that, that Indiana Jones brings Sala over to America after all the help he gave him, and you know, and, and he helps his family out escaping bad things in in in, in the aftermath of World War II. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff in the in the movie that I really really like. Um, one of the other elements too, again, you 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 sort of it requires you to have a good knowledge of the previous films, but seeing Indiana Jones as a professor again, and seeing you know look look to look back to Raiders. And the way his classrooms were packed, and the students were attentive, and the female students were in love with the professor, and then see him as the professor in this film, and, and, and see how far it's all gone. <laughs> you know, it's a sparsely attended class; no one's paying attention, and uh, the women could care less about him up there. Uh, it, it's it's sort of this interesting uh, progression for him as a as a as a teacher, right? It's 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 interesting in that regard. There's a lot of little things in there that I really do enjoy. Um, there is. The element with Voler in the modern era is dubious at best. They're playing him as sort of like a, a, a Werner Braun, von Braun character, you know, a Nazi scientist who was granted asylum uh, so that they, he could help the space program. That's sort of who Voler is in this, uh, though he's going by the name Schmidt at, uh, at, at certain points of this, which only made me think of the Red Skull. So <laughs> I couldn't help that. That was just the Marvel, Marvel maniac in my brain. Um, 
you know, he sort of cuts his deal with the government. Like, he's going to give them all this, like, ro- uh, space rocket technology to get get people to the moon, which is that the primary setting that we've seen in the trailers, you know, Indy on the horse with the ticker tape parade. Uh, they're celebrating Moon Day. Uh, the astronauts are back from the moon, and there's a parade going on to celebrate them. Well, Voller in this film is, like, the scientist who's – uh, rocket technology put them on the moon in the first place. So Volar sort of cut a deal with the government that, like, oh, I'll get you on the moon, but you got to help me get uh, the, the the other components of the uh, the Antikythera, aka the Dial of Destiny. Uh, and then once the government gets what they want, they're sort of willing to uh, cut Volar loose. But Volar, uh, I guess behind the scenes, because uh, you know we don't see any of this stuff, but apparently he has a bunch of very loyal henchmen. Uh, who he has persuaded uh, that, A, a uh, being a Nazi was super cool and good, which I suppose is supposed to be a commentary on uh, the current state of Nazism in America, which is, again, one of those things that is shockingly still relevant and shockingly on the rise. Um, <laughs> so it seems like they're, they're commenting on that. And it's sort of, uh, a, 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 I guess, a reminder that uh, uh, people are attracted to those with power, I guess. Uh, again, there's, there's sort of like this. There's a couple of weird ideas that aren't really fleshed out. One of them is is this idea that Voller just sort of has like these young Nazi protege people in in his employ, uh, and it's never, again never really fleshed out. I'd love to know more about it. Love to love to know more about what he told these people to kind of get them on board with with Nazism. But again, you know, we we it's more known now in the history books. But like the Nazi Nazism never went away. Uh, especially in the states, it's it's only kind of just become more subversive, but it's it's grown as it's become more subversive at the same time. So I suppose they're commenting on that in a sort of like, hey, look, this is over here too. They don't really go into any depth of it. It's it's very it's a very shallow uh, notion. And again, like I said, there may have been an entire plot line about that that is is, is sort of glossed over or, or just completely uh, left on the cutting room floor. And I'm very, very curious about it. Uh, but, but, but what else can I say about the film? Again, like I said, so much of it, like Crystal Skull, hinges on the third act. And if you're in, you're in. And if you're out, you're out. I hope that you're in. I do. I think the picture has a lot of, like I said, it has some good moments, some good pieces. I wish they would have, have had a, a little bit more pizzazz in the narrative. Uh, I wish there was a bit more... Um, um, showing and not telling. You know, a, a lot of things we learn are in random bits of exposition. Um, again, I wish the development, the the relationship between uh, Helena and Indy had sort of became more, had sort of developed more organically than it did. Um, but the, uh, you know, there's a lot in the picture that I really did enjoy, and I am looking forward to seeing it again on another viewing, whether that's in theaters or not. Or, or when it comes out on, on home release or, or Disney Plus or whatever, I'm not quite sure just yet. Uh, July has a, has a couple different movies coming out this month that I'm, I'm fairly interested in checking out. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think for Indy's final ride, uh, this is a pretty darn good time. Uh, and it, it, it just depends on – we played the line at the opening of the, of the, of the podcast – it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage. Well, what's your mileage for Indiana Jones and, and your, your suspension of disbelief, right? Uh, audiences have seemed to have uh, uh, turned very against, you know, back in Crystal Skull, audiences had turned against, like, the sci-fi elements that were brought into that movie, uh, despite the fact that they had no problem with people getting their faces melted off by, by uh, uh, dark angels living in a box. So, I, you know, I don't know. 
<laughs> when do, when do people turn on a dime like that? I, I can't quite remember. Uh, but, but, but yeah, so it, again, your, your enjoyment of the movie will hinge on that third act. And if you're in or out, if you're in, I think you're in. Uh, but again, even then I was in, but it still sort of wraps up in a way that I was like, huh, we sort of had to lead Indy by the nose for that one, but I guess we get to him where we need to get him to. And I know I'm being obtuse. I know I'm being vague. I suspect it'll be a, a very spoiler-filled podcast uh, about this movie down the road, but I'm just waiting to have a conversation with somebody about it uh, as opposed to me just spouting off about it nonstop for an hour. So <laughs> that being said, <laughs> I do like the way the film ends. I have a million questions, though, because, again, the Helena character is sort of a shady character. Uh, and then at some point, it seems that she becomes uh, more like Indy, more noble and, 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 and making like the hero play, right? But when does that exactly occur? I'm not entirely certain. Uh, there's a child sidekick character, Teddy, who actually I thought was pretty good. Though, again, this movie, uh, I guess I, I don't even know if I said it before. A lot of the movie's third act is telegraphed earlier in the, fi- in the film. And if you're paying attention... You know, if you've seen enough movies, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's going to come into play later. Oh, well, that's going to come into play later. And, and yeah, they do. They, they definitely do. They telegraph a lot of things. Uh, and, and that's sort of, again, what's your mileage with that? Is that to the film's uh, benefit or detriment? That's for you to decide. So, yeah, check it out. I mean, check it out. It wraps up nicely. I think it's a good send-off for Indy. I think it's a good send-off for Harrison Ford in the role. Uh, I, I have questions. There are things that are left vague in unsatisfying ways. Um, but not to the detriment of the film overall. There's like sort of like nitpicky, you know, you know, do I want to pull in that thread or not kind of kind of questions. Um, <laughs> and again, there's there's a plot line that I find completely unnecessary. There's a character in this movie that I don't understand why he's in this, or at least the actor. I mean, it could have been played by, by a random Joe Schmo on the street for all the lines he got and for all the dialogue he got. Uh, the third act's crazy, uh, and you're either in or out. But there's good, there's good set pieces. There's good Harrison Ford stuff. There's good Indiana Jones stuff. I, I think the only thing... Ooh, I shouldn't say the only thing. That's not even the right word. Um, but they do... In, this movie's more successful at, at playing up the fact that Harrison Ford is, you know, 80 years old in this movie. Um, you know, that sort of is, is a, something they gloss over in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because other than the Mutt's quips, Indy still does indie things. Uh, in this movie, Indy can't do those things. Uh, and I, I think that serves the movie a bit better because we rely more on Helena for some of our uh, uh, action sequences. But that doesn't mean that Indiana Jones is sidelined or, or, or uh, uh, neutered in any sense. He's still Indy. He's still doing things. And I think this movie is worth checking out. Um, if I was to put it on the bucket scale, right now it's, a, it's, it's real close to seven-ish buckets, like six and a half. Is kind of where I'm landing at the moment, but subsequent viewings will probably push me to six. Like I said, I do really like a couple sequences, and I do want to see a couple things again. Um, I, again, I don't want to say too much about specific elements of the plot right now, but we may get into a spoiler-heavy episode of the show where we really di- we dive into Dial of Destiny, and and if that happens, I'll keep, we, we, we'll, we'll break it all apart. You know me. That's when I love to pull in the threads. That's when I love to unravel the sweaters. <laughs> and again, I, I try to do it not so much for the, for the, for the, to, to, to tear the movie apart, uh, but just so we, I can sort of understand its flaws and, and 
to me, that helps embrace me embrace the movie a little bit. You know, like when I understand what it did wrong and, and I can sort of understand its missteps, it allows me to sort of think, well, why did they misstep? And 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 sometimes, not all the time, sometimes that helps endear the movie to me. Like I said, I rewatched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull last night. I still have some bumps and, and bruises with that movie. Uh, but by and large, I just sat there and watched it and I had a decent time doing it. <laughs> so so my, even my... my uh, Again, my, I think I've spoken derogatorily of, of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in the past. And, and in a sense, I, you know, I, in a sense, I suppose it deserves some of its, its derision and criticisms, especially the ones that I have. But by and large, I think I like it more than most people. And, and by and large, I'm will, also willing just to be, to know that I have like a, la- a later set of Indiana Jones movies that I can watch, you know, if I just want to keep the adventures going, you know, the, the first three are going to be, forever untouchable so we have to sort of break these apart you know you have your original 80s indiana jones movies and then we have our latter our latter day indiana jones movies right these later times old man indies uh again, again even though he doesn't act that old in kingdom of the crystal skull he's still punching guys 40 feet across this across the screen <laughs> and in this one he's much more uh, powered down he's much more age appropriate in his in his actions and stuff like that but yeah well, well i think we'll probably talk about that more down the road so i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna I'm going to generously give it seven buckets, <laughs> tentatively. I'm somewhere between six and seven on it. it. It could be in a half slot at some point. I want to see it again. I want to get a few more watches in my belt. Uh, I'd love to You see an interview with Boyd Holbrook and, and him say, like, oh, yeah, no, I had a lot more in this movie, and it all got cut out because that would make me feel better about, like, why he's even in this movie. Um, again, there's a, an, an entire plot line that I'm just like, ugh, I wish that wasn't in this at all. Uh, but I, suspe- I suspect it's just in there as, as motivation for, for Indiana Jones to do what he's going to do. But we'll see. We will see. I think Crystal Skull's aged better than, in, than when it was initially received. I sort of suspect Dollar Destiny may be the same thing. Uh, but let's see how it goes. Uh, like I said, the box office hasn't been great on it so far. But tomorrow's the 4th of July. Maybe you guys are going to spend the day in the theater in some nice air conditioning with a bucket of popcorn and Harrison Ford. That's not a bad way to spend the 4th of July. But by the time you listen to this podcast, it will be after the 4th. So I hope you had a great 4th of July and watched Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. <laughs> and I think we're going to wrap it up right there with this podcast. Uh, I, I want to transition to a couple uh, programming notes really quickly. Uh, like I said, like I said at the beginning, initially I was not going to do a Dial of Destiny uh, sort of recap because, I A, I wasn't sure I was going to see the movie. But B, I, 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 I have the final four episodes of season five of Star Wars The Clone Wars locked and ready to go. They're ready to be released right now. But there are some real-life things happening that may affect the recording schedule of the podcast. So I am uh, tentatively holding those four episodes uh, for a week or two while I get things sort of straightened out on my end. And uh, I don't think we're going to miss a week of podcasting. I don't think that's going to be happening, but we may have some more bonus episodes in the meantime. Uh, um, I, I have a couple Star Wars ideas I want to get to. It's just sort of a matter of time management on my part. So, fingers crossed I get that handled. Time is managed appropriately, and we're all going to be uh, back here doing Star Wars stuff very, very soon. Uh, I appreciate you guys indulging me on the, on the last few weeks for, for the Indiana Jones ride. It's been a lot of fun talking about Indy. Uh, if there's something I love as much as Star Wars, it is Indiana Jones. Uh, and I'm so glad that you all have 
uh, hung out with me, then uh, the, it seems that you guys are, have been enjoying uh, uh, these Indiana Jones episodes. So I, I really, really do appreciate you guys sticking around for those. Thank you so much, Buckethead Nation. You are the best. Another reminder that this, this is the Mando Vision Podcast. It's a Star Wars podcast. We're a small independent Star Wars podcast talking about Indiana Jones right now. My name is Tom, Nargai Tom, and I appreciate you all being here, taking the time to download, listen, uh, share the show on the social medias. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, remember to follow us on social media, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If you have a platform that you listen to on that offers reviews, hey, write us up a review. Uh, easy five-star reviews. Those are great, too. We truly, truly appreciate it. Those help our show stand out, not get lost in the cosmic shuffle of the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> so uh, I think that's all I have to say. I do. I really, really, one more time, I hope you go see Dial of Destiny. I think it's a really fun send-off for Harrison Ford. Does it have its problems? Yes. Is it fun? Yep, sure is, too. So go check it out. And, and let me know what you think. Let me know if I'm way off base. And we'll be back very, very soon. But remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.